Good morning. How are we? How are we holding up emotionally with all the white? Love it. Really. I don't want to hear from the people that love it. Who doesn't like it? Thank you. All right. We'll have a pity party later. I have a love-hate relationship with our plow guy. Does anyone have that? Oh. Especially if you have a long driveway and you finally get the bottom of it cleared out. You can get that car out and the guy comes by. He sees you there and he still doesn't even care. All that work done. Gone. Poof. Ah. And then when you have to do that three or four times in a day, good grief. And my water's not here. Never mind. Um, well, that being said, Lord, thank you that we are here. Amen. Well, let, let's pray, and, um, and then we'll get into the word this morning. What's for my mommy? I think Mark's getting one, too, for me. So. Lord, we thank you for who you are, and we simply ask, what do you want to say to us this morning? Help us to be mindful and aware of your voice. Even if recently it's felt foreign to us, give us eyes to see and ears to hear this morning. We all walk in with different things, carrying different things in our hearts. And you know them. You know every single one of them. So help us this morning get into a posture to surrender those things so that we can be aware of you. Um, Help stir up the courage to engage you. May we not measure ourselves by what we've done or not done, but how much we are loved by you. And give us the capacity to receive that this morning. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, how many, we, we're in year I think three now, going into year three in Romans. Thank you. Can you give this back to TL? Thank you. That was my... Stand in. <laughs> We're entering year three in Romans. How many have enjoyed this series? How many have a love-hate relationship with it? <laughs> it, it, it has been challenging, has it, has it not? And now we're in one of the real challenging passages. They're all challenging, but I feel like each new one we're in, I have to say that. Now we're in a real challenging one. And we're in chapter 12 of Romans. How many are aware of chapter 12 of Romans? We love chapter 12 of Romans. It's a great chapter. And we've been through a lot already uh, in, in just a few verses. And today we're going to go through verses 6 through 8. But to recap, and we'll read, through, uh, we'll read from 3 uh, through 8 this morning as we get into the word. But last week, we, we hit the passage that's talking about body life, that Paul makes the analogy that the, the body of Christ is made up of many parts, and Christ is the head of that body. And so often, we can forget that we need each other because we are part of one body. We're in it together. And then oftentimes, we forget who's the head of that body. We might use his name, but we have to remember that Jesus is the only one who has authority. 
It's the only one. He's the head of the church body, the people that believe in who he is, the people that have relationship with him. And historically speaking, the church hasn't necessarily been the greatest representation of that. We try to be, but oftentimes what can happen is we see a lot of division. How many have been a part of a church split or seen one, heard about one? Most of us. Is it not devastating? Is that what God had planned? Is that the design of the body? No, because he's the head. When we take the headship from him, even in his name, ah, division can happen. And we are to encourage one another to belong, and we all do belong, but to give ourselves over to Jesus first. Not what we want, not what we think we're entitled to, not what we believe theologically, and if our theology is better than someone else, we must submit to Christ. Paul says it. I, Paul, a slave to Christ, I've chosen to submit to Jesus. We don't do that. We don't have the church. We don't. And we talked about last week how God gives us gifts. And those gifts are an expression, they're tools, they're an expression of his love. They're how we, they're given to us to communicate the love he has for us so that the world can know. And no gift is greater than the other. And we are great at comparing them. Are we not? Comparing anything, really. Because I, I, I am easy. I have got a PhD in diminishing myself. Is anyone with me on that? You got your PhD in that? Not good enough. My gifts aren't good enough. My this isn't good enough. I wish I had that. I wish I could be more like that. Because that is a cool gift. And Paul is not talking, and we'll, we'll, we'll hear specific gifts this morning, but that's not Paul's purpose, is to talk about specific gifts. It's the posture into those gifts. That's what he cares about, the posture into those gifts, because your identity is not your gifting. And too often we'll diminish ourselves because we'll think our gift isn't as great as that person's gift, and when I do that, I've tied my identity to that gift. My gift, who I am, is not as good as this one. Look, we all have, I I try to move from coveting someone's gift to admiring it. (laughs) Now, I I like to put Mark on the spot. It gives me joy. (laughs) But Mark, if you know him, if you know him, he is one of the best listeners and he makes you feel safe. And he will hear you. And I watch him do this. I've seen him do this. I've been in the room and he does this. And I go, I can't do that. (laughs) I want that. And people are pouring their heart out. He navigates it. He slows it down. He keeps it at a healthy pace. Where I'm like, and he's like, okay, you're going a little fast. (laughs) He says that with me. You're going a little fast. You need to slow this down. He's so good at it. And I look at his gifts and I'm like, ooh, I want that. I want that on my shopping list. I want to have that. But that's the gift God has given him to express it. And for me to diminish what God has given me, where does that put me? I am robbing, Sharon said this earlier, and I'm probably robbing her of the clothes. But we'll have to think of another one. (laughs) 
But when, when I do not step fully into my giftings, I'm robbing the body. And I'm robbing people. Because we have this unhealthy measuring system as human beings. That we think we've got it figured out that what is of value and what is not of value. And we see gifts that we wouldn't even call gifts every day because we would just call them ordinary things. One of the greatest gifts, and I'm using my measuring system, let me just put it this way, because I'm going to mess up all over the place in this message. I will probably diminish myself on accident. I will do a lot of different things. But here's the deal. One I admire is the simple act of kindness. You don't hear that in this list that we're going to hear about in a second. We can go, oh, that person's really kind. Do you know that kindness, one act of kindness, a hello, a how are you doing can change the trajectory of someone's life. It's happened to me when you don't feel seen and someone just naturally acts in their gifting of just saying hi, noticing someone. That's a gift. You think that's something you generate? But we can dismiss that. So last week we talked about that every gift has purpose. Not one is greater than the other. And we cannot diminish it within ourselves and we cannot diminish it within other people or dismiss it. Now in the church, someone say, oh man, the preacher, they've got great gifts. Yeah, we yap. I yap. See me diminishing myself, see, automatically. But sometimes we hold some higher than the other because they're more public or they seem like they have more power because we're reading from scripture Jesus is most powerful. Like when I look at the impact he had in the Gospels, it wasn't even so much what he was teaching, even though it is powerful. It is how he lived next to people, how he related to them, what he did. The woman caught in adultery, he was not spouting off scripture. He was sitting there with her in her sin and in her pain. It wasn't the flashy thing of teaching her theology and all these things. It was the simple act of staying with her, whether he agreed with her behavior or not, he showed that she was seen and loved. And people have that gift, and we can't dismiss that. It's It's not powerful. It's extremely powerful because it's an extension of God's heart. Now, if you have your Bibles, please open them up to chapter 12, and we're going to read 3 through 8 but focus on 6 through 8 this morning. For by grace given to me, Paul says, I, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. This is a posture he's talking about. But rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We belong to one another. Verse 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. It is showing, if it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Paul's using gifts that would have been heard about or known or from the people would be familiar with, but he's not so concerned about what the gifts are, but our posture in those gifts. 
There's a phrase that you hear a lot in sports, and I'm hearing it now over and over, and I I hate the phrase, but I'm going to use it because it benefits me. (laughs) But there's this phrase of stay in your lane. Who's heard that phrase? And it's usually never used in a good way. It's like, you're on my turf, stay in your lane. I know what I'm doing. You know nothing. Stay in your lane. But Paul's saying in a healthy way. Don't try, don't covet someone else's gift. Don't try to be something you're not. And I'm talking about how God, what God has put in you, okay? But step fully into that which he's given you. Stay in the lane he's given you. Because if you don't, you're robbing the body. Now, he's, we're not saying that you don't grow in other gifts you don't currently know you have. Or you can't attain other gifts along the way. What he's saying is, don't, don't, want, don't start desiring other things. Look at what God has given you. Because he's entrusting it as a tool. Now here's something that we have to make a proper distinguish or uh, uh, delineation between. There is a difference between purpose and function. And oftentimes the gift becomes Purpose. The giftings are from God, for God, and they glorify him. They're wonderful. They are not who you are. The purpose is more about the who and why. You, your purpose is that you were loved. Now, we've seen that bumper stickers. We hear it all the time. John 3, 16. No, 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 no. We know we're loved. We know we're loved. We know we're loved. We know we love. Yeah, but kind of. <laughs> the love of God is so vast and so deep and cannot be contained in words that oftentimes it doesn't have the power that it really does when we say it. But your purpose is to be loved. He created you for his pleasure. And our purpose is to be loved and to love in return. To love him and love one another because we are fearfully and wonderfully created. Your purpose is to be loved and to love. Done. That's what it is. The gifts come in to communicate that. To help communicate to the world, not just inside our church buildings, but to the world, that love. The giftings aren't to make you feel better about yourself or that you have some mystical purpose. It is to reveal the very heart of God and how he feels about the person in front of you as well as you. That's what they're for. And God uses them in all different ways and he's created trillions of people that are all different, that all have different gifts. How he does that, I don't know, but he's that big. And if he is love and love is God, his love is that big and that vast. And he will do what he wants to do through who he wants. And we are not the ones who judge if it's valuable or not. Because too often we'll dismiss it. We'll dismiss it in ourselves. We'll dismiss it in others. And it's not healthy. It's not. I have spent my life diminishing and comparing myself. I still do. And I know this stuff, but letting it sink from here to here 
And in your environment is another story, is it not? I mean, from a very young age, I wanted what the, the athletic jock guys had. I remember all through school, and I was just a little average Joe. I worked hard, but it was a little average Joe. And you know what annoyed me? <laughs> Is that I always wanted to be the, the six foot four handsome guy, like in all the, you know, 80s movies, like 16 Candles. I want to be Jake Ryan, have my Porsche. Actually make a sweater vest with all this crazy plaid look good. All, and loafers, you know. All that looked good. But no, I was known as the nice guy. That, yeah, yeah, everyone knows that. It's, that means friend zone. <laughs> but I was. And I hated that. I wanted this. Because I thought it was what I wanted and what I needed. Instead of knowing that God was doing what he wanted. And people would come to me because they wanted help with stuff. And I'm like, I don't want to be the nice guy. Well, Brendan's so nice. If you have a problem, go talk to him. He'll, t- he'll, t- he'll listen to you and talk to you through it. Hey, no, I don't want No. I don't want that. That's not what I want. But it's, I diminished it. Little did I know that that posturing would prepare me for ministry. To actually care about people. To be okay with sitting with them. I had no idea at the time. It's not what I wanted. I diminished it. I dismissed it. But it turns out God kind of knows what he's doing. And then I never wanted to be a preacher ever, 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 ever. Because I was petrified of speaking in front of people. Petrified. I took public speaking classes. Stunk at them. I would put myself, you know, you have to debate in those classes. So I would pick something that was not very popular so that I could take criticism, prepare me for the pulpit. That was a bad view of the church, by the way, too. (laughs) And I was, you know, all these different things. And I would dismiss these giftings. I'm not good at that. That's not my thing because it's not what I want. But what he wants for me is to benefit his body so people will know that they are loved. And each one of us here has giftings that he has given. And again, they're not your identity. Your identity is a child of God. You are loved. That's your identity. That's who you are. But the gifts help, help you function and communicate that love to other people. And sometimes they come so naturally, they don't seem like gifts. Some people are really natural at walking across the aisle and introducing And that means a world to some people. Because it says they're seen. When we say that's a spiritual gift that we find in, you know, 1 Corinthians, no, you probably won't find it there. But guess what? It's given to you by God, and it just blessed someone's socks off. It just changed their day. It transformed that person. You can't dismiss those things. And the thing that drives me crazy, because I do it, but someone will say to me, I will see someone, one of of my favorite things to witness is because I think I I want it so badly in the way other people have it, is thoughtfulness and generosity. When I see that, that blesses me to tears. And I say that to whoever I've witnessed do that, and I go, well, that's nothing. I mean, what you do is really hard. I... (laughs) I sit here and I go, you just gave of yourself. See, I'm diminishing myself again. You, you gave of yourself. 
And already they dismiss it because it doesn't meet what they think a potent, powerful spiritual gift is. You know what Jesus did? All that stuff, if we're talking about generosity and giving, he gave himself. Leave it to the enemy to make it seem like it's not a great gift, huh? (laughs) There are so many. Every gift is powerful because it's from God. But there are so many we diminish that have great weight to them because they don't fit our measuring system of what a spiritual gift or this or that should be. But remember, it's the posturing of knowing we're his and whatever he gives us, we use for his glory, not for myself. Uh-uh. And we can't afford to dismiss it. When I was, um, I told this story a few years ago. Um, and it was probably in my 20s and I was going through a crisis of everything. <laughs> Faith, relationship, everything, you know. And... I was questioning my call. I was questioning, which is simply an invitation from God, by the way. I was questioning everything, what he's given me, what he wants me to do. And of course, all that questioning is because of a girl, you know, at the time. And it led me to this. I was devastated, but whatever. And I was coming in to help lead worship on a Sunday morning. And I was having a conversation with the Lord out loud because no one was there yet. And I said, I know you love me. And I I had a terrible picture of myself. Ashamed, guilty, all that great stuff. (laughs) And I said, Lord, I know you have grace for me, but I don't feel it. And I believe it with my mind, but I don't believe it with my heart. Just don't right now. Because everything around me is saying it's not there. That's how it feels. It's contrary to what you know, but it's how it feels. So that morning, um, a friend of ours um, who was into the spiritual gift stuff and amongst other things, and I would always go, I think it's kind of funky and, you know, uh, some of those guys that see angels and all that stuff. And, And I believe they exist, don't get me wrong, but this is not about angels or no angels. Clearly there are in the scripture. But he had a grandson who was off the walls, eight years old, running around, boom, 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 boom. (sighs) <sighs> and when you're already irritated with yourself and that happens, parents, people that have worked with kids, perfect timing, isn't it? Does it make you calm? No. What is that kid doing in the house of God? <laughs> it's that feeling. And the grandfather was looking at me and talking to me and he said, um, he goes, I think, I think there's an angel behind you. Went, oh my gosh. Here we go. <laughs> and I'm like, theologically, I believe in angels, but I'm not really buying. There's one right behind me. And I think he has a gift for you. Oh, gosh. Okay. All humor you, dude. Really? And so he calls his grandson over, this cyclone of terror, and he runs over to me. And his, grand, his grandfather says, I think there's an angel behind Brendan, and I think he has a gift for him. Do you know what it is? He goes, hold on, Grandpa. He runs to the altar. He gets down on his knees, and he folds his hands. And now, man, I'm in full cynic mode. <laughs> I'm going, oh, my gosh, this is pathetic. This is 
a full stage Broadway drama. I, I can't do this, Lord. I can't do this. This, this guy doesn't have anything for me. There's no giftings here. He's eight years old. He's got nothing I need or I want. And I'm saying this. I remember this vividly. And that kid comes up. He runs like a cyclone right back to me, stops in a freaky deaky way. He just, and just looking at me like the shining. <laughs> Creeped me out legitimately. And he says with clarity, like an adult, he says my name. First, I didn't even know he knew my name. He says my name. He goes, Brendan, there is in fact an angel standing behind you that has a gift for you. <sighs> okay, yeah, I heard that part, the first run through. Still being cynical. And he goes, Jesus has the gift of grace for you, and he wants you to receive it. Yeah. I said, say again. And he says with the same clarity, the same thing. Jesus has a gift for you, and it's his grace, and he wants you to receive it. And then he runs out of there like the Tasmanian devil, and I'm sitting there left crying because I dismissed that God can use anyone with anything. I wasn't impressed with him, I didn't leave going, oh my gosh, an eight-year-old has this gift. I was left knowing that I was seen and loved by the Father. It wasn't about, oh, he functioned in this great, incredible, super spiritual gift. He irritated the heck out of me. Really what it was, was Jesus used him in the simplicity to say what he said to rock my world. When people ask me, because they do, Who's, who are some of the most influential people in your life? I say, Jesus through this kid. Every time. And I never saw him again. But it taught me it doesn't matter who, it doesn't matter where, Jesus will use who he's going to use to communicate to you what he wants you to know. And the church is the extension of his heart. We're meant to be the models of that love and grace to everyone, which means you have, you have to be obedient and step into that gifting, whether you think it's great or not, because it comes from the Father who is perfect and loves you perfectly. And he wants you to step into it. It doesn't matter what it is. It's the faithfulness to go where he goes and be used to be a, the heartbeat of Christ to someone. And it's not just in these walls. It's so that you can be that in your work, so you can be that in a random restaurant, so you can be that in your own home, in your family, a family reunion. God knows we need the love of God in those things. Joke. My family's right there. <laughs> but do you see? There's no ego here. Everything is for the glory of God. Everything. Not your glory. Not your sense of searching for purpose. Sometimes as Christians, we think we need to do this spiritual walkabout to find our purpose. Your purpose was set in stone when he called your name. And now he equipped you with gifts that come from his uncreated heart to communicate that love. 
The gifts are great. He's greater. And they're meant to glorify him. Calls in our life happen. They're good. I'm not saying they're bad. They're amazing. But too often we make them synonymous with our identity and our worth and our value. No, that's already set, folks. These are now, these gifts are tools now to help communicate that value and worth to the world. Not to keep reminding you you're of great worth or that you have this ability. That already does that. So we have the honor to be the body of Christ, to not be divided, to be united in his name. The best humanity can do to achieve unity is uniformity. Jesus is the only one that can bring unity. So we, we're part of one body. We encourage one another. We engage conflict with one another. We don't run away. We submit to Jesus, not to our own understanding, not to our own gifting, but to Jesus and allow him to unite, which only he can unite and be an extension of his heart to the world. Have I been pretty clear on how I feel about this? <laughs> the gifts are great. He's greater. We're going to have a time of communion, and, and as we do that, that's all I want. I want us to, re, to uh, you do whatever you feel the Lord leading, but remember that you are so deeply loved. It, it almost feels ridiculous to say because it doesn't capture the depth of it. My words but the encounters with Jesus does. And as we come to the table, just thank him. Start with that. And he'll lead you wherever else. But a celebration of thanking him for who we are in him. And for those of you that are our visitors, what we do in communion is we come down the aisles and we go to the tables that you'll see over here to the left and the right. And we believe in the priesthood of all believers. And so we believe that you can um, conduct communion. And, and if you sense anyone in the room to invite with you, whether family, friends, or stranger, I want to encourage you in that to, and pay attention to, to what you feel the Lord saying to you because he may want to invite you to invite someone with you to partake. But let's pray over the communion this morning for the remainder of time of worship that we have together. Lord, we glorify you Without even doing anything, you're good. Your goodness is not based on merit, but out of your goodness, you do things that we just cannot fathom or comprehend. We, based off our own measuring system, may not understand why you love us, but I thank you that you do. I thank you that as soon as my name was written in the book of life, I have value. It cannot be taken. I pray in Jesus' name that we would live out of um, our value of being yours, being loved, and love others. And in doing so, we would love through our, the gifts that you give us, that those gifts would honor you and not ourselves. I don't want to be synonymous with my gift. I want to be synonymous with your name, who you are. 
people to encounter you through my giftings, not encounter my gift and leaving it there. So we pray your blessing and protection. And some of us need to um, continue to be reminded in the midst of challenging seasons how loved we are. And I thank you that no heart is unrecoverable. So Lord, we pray your blessing. We pray that we would worship you in spirit and truth and let you have your way this morning as we continue to worship as your church, your body, as you lead us, as you unite us, and continue to speak life into us. In Jesus' name, amen. My heart will sing no other name, Jesus, Jesus. My heart will sing no other name, Jesus. So declare it now.